we we did a first pick me and my husband went on the picker and I mean I couldn't even see because I was crying so hard I couldn't I was just like these are horrible we're we're done this is the real food real people podcast in this episode we learn about a crop that was once called the forbidden fruit it was illegal to grow in Washington state until the 2000s black currants what do you know about black currants I didn't know much, even though I knew they were grown close to me. So I went and visited a farm only a couple of miles from where I live and got the full story from their family about how they got into this whole world and who the people are who love black currants. You'll be fascinated by this. I'm Dylan Honkoop. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. And we talk with Lindsay Van Dyken of Pangborn Farms and get the whole story here on the Real Food, Real People podcast as we continue our journey all over Washington State to get to know the real story behind the people who grow our food. So I think I know stuff about black currants, but I'm not really sure if I do because it's not like I've been around black currants a lot. They're not common. I think I only know of three farms in Whatcom County, four farms that grow them. Yeah. Um, two farms that grow them somewhat commercially um there's only one that is mainly commercial most of our currents go directly to uh, our customers though and then we have there's one other farm that sells directly to customers that i know of that's close by Mm -hmm. um and then there's one out in blaine that is all organic like super like they only have a few bushes though basically Mm -hmm. and i think their prices are close to triple ours wow yeah So, so what, what is experience, a, yeah, right? describe a black currant though. Okay. So black currant, I would describe as tasting like really healthy. <laughs> they're pretty so, tart. So right? it's not, they're not like, it's an acquired taste. Yeah. I like them now, but when I first was here, my husband, every, we do this to everybody. Oh, try a black currant. You're going to love it. <laughs> and they put it in their mouth and they're just immediately like, what, what did I just eat? So is it just like tart and it's bitter? It's super and- tart. Um, there's, it's just got this like almost a Kai type of really, it just tastes healthy. You're like, mm-hmm. wow, this is really healthy. <laughs> so it's good for me to eat, but um, it's definitely acquired taste. And most of our customers will take it and mix it with half sugar. Mm. So they, um, they're, it's so tart that... Uh, it's too much for so, them. Yeah, how are they normally used? How do people normally eat them who are really into black currants? Because I feel like I should be, but I, I haven't been. So we, most of our customers, I would say probably 95% of our customers are um, Ukrainian or Russian. Um, we've had people from Bosnia. Mm. Um, and um, I mean, first of all, that that for me with all the things that are going on in the world, right. it's it's just so huge. Um, to our customers and I'm, I, my heart is hurting so much for them. Um, it's, we, we love our customers. We have repeat customers. They, they come, we have people come from California and come get them. And, um, what they do with them is a lot of them make compote, Mm -hmm. which is basically just boiled down, um, currants with water and some sugar. Mm. I use honey. Um, some people like honey, um, but it's so healthy for you that 
I mean, every single person that I've met out here and talked to, they're like, oh, it, it cures this and it helps this. And I'm like, these are all different things. Yeah. Um, but they use it and they're like, it keeps us so happy. And they're just about the happiest people I've ever seen. <laughs> and I, I don't think that's just like, oh, you know, a, a facade. Yeah. Um, so what do they do with the, com- the compote? Wait. They just drink it. Um, a lot of people also will um, just mix half sugar and half currants um stir it up crush it they take all the little um tops off of them so that's a really time consuming process Mm -hmm. i don't do that i throw all mine in a vitamix and then put some in there and throw it in the freezer but um a little extra fiber yeah right (laughs) i don't mind it um but it does make for it it makes a little more bitter if you don't take those off yep so they will take that um, mix it with sugar and they just like let it set out and there's so much pectin there's so much natural pectin and mm. currants you don't need to add pectin it's just so it thickens and it's sugar. like a jam yeah, they, they, they spread stir it jelly it, sort of thing yeah yeah they stir it up and then they let it sit for a little bit longer it pretty much preserves itself they don't need to do anything to it they just put put it in jars and put it in the cellar um it basically goes on everything toast um, I, I like to put mine in, um, like a yogurt bowl with granola. So we do a lot of parfaits and I can yeah. hide it and then for the kids will actually eat them. Cause I mean, my, my kids do eat currants now. Um, but there's not a lot of, um, our friends that come over are like, no, <laughs> this is not good. Again, an acquired taste. Yeah, no, yeah. but we have all these kids are, um, in in Russian, it's smorodina. Mm. So they're like smorodina. You know that? And I'm like, yes, we do. We lo- we just That's awesome. Yeah, just wonderful customers. Imagine you could use that like on meats and stuff too. Oh like, yeah, people put it on lamb like, and like the different ways you use cranberries. Yes, same. really. Um, it's like a real. It goes with savory stuff. So yeah. I I was actually looking into making some for like the charcuterie board type things because that's you can't find USA um, current jam. I I actually did a little research project and I found I think there's three that I got from the US, but everything else was from overseas. Mm. And um, Greg Quinn in New York, he was he's he's high high up in the current industry he actually was the one who got um new york um their legalization of growing currants again so wait they were they were illegal to grow they were illegal to grow until 2003 i think what are they like a drug or something (laughs) (laughs) so um the story with currants is they're they're very popular in the uk Mm -hmm. um but over here they there was a problem with the propagation back in the 1700s, and um, they became a host for the white pine blister rust, and that was a threat to the U.S. forestry industry, and so in, mm. in 1911, they banned them, and they took everything out from the U.S., all of them, and they were growing in a lot of places, so um, red currants and black currants were both banned, and they still grew over in the U.K., so they were... That didn't affect their forestry industry, I guess. Mm. Um, but the um, yeah, there there were a lot of states. Uh, there are still some states in the U.S. that are not legal to grow. So when did it become legal in Washington? 
You know what? I don't know that exactly. But f- like fairly recently? Recently. We started growing them right afterwards, and it was in the early 2000s. Wow. So, yeah. It was, it's, I, I had no idea. It's just like a fruit crop, but it, it was illegal. Illegal. Crazy. Yeah. So they've become... Um, resistant to that so there there are different varieties out now so they don't have that rust which is probably like a fungus it's a yes and it it wasn't that they were producing it it's that they were actually getting it from um it it was they were just acting as the host right right? Right. so um the so all the currents basically were taken out and everything was over to the uk and so all of the um, people who have immigrated here, um, the reason we actually even started selling currants was we had a lady drive by the farm. She saw the currants on the side of the road and she got out. My mother-in-law happened to just be out. Um, I don't know what she was doing, but this lady got out of her car and stuck her face in the bushes and just was like, like <laughs> smelling them. <laughs> She's like, wow, currants, I've not seen these. And most of them don't know the the name. Um, they 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 know Smorodina, but they are like, they don't know that we know Smorodina. So they're like, the little black berry. And I'm like, yeah, that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. How much do you want? And um, this lady's like, can we buy these from you? Because we were selling these all commercially. Um, and they'd go to Canada, mm. which is... I mean, nobody uses them in the U.S., so they all go to Canada. We were getting almost nothing for them, though. So is that, like, they aren't common in the U.S. because of the whole ban thing? Like, just people quit having them, and Mm -hmm. so it was a taste that was kind of lost? Totally lost, Mm -hmm. yeah, Um, which is is so interesting. And the, the hardest part about that was that they're so healthy for you. They're so good for you. They're even better for you than blueberries are. And blueberries went through this craze, right? Right, right. Um, They've got more antioxidants than blueberries, um, really high anthocyanin um, content, and the vitamins, they have more vitamin C per serving than oranges, more potassium per serving than bananas. Um, Wow. Yeah, it's, they're... um, they're really incredible superfruit, and they've been coined the forbidden fruit mm. because of the ban on yeah. them. But um, I'm really my interest in this market is just to get currants in the U.S. because of their health benefits. I'm a big um, supporter of natural health, natural medicine, and food is medicine. I still eat terrible food sometimes <laughs> right but um don't we all maybe we don't i don't yeah, know some don't yeah some don't <laughs> no but that's what i'm a big proponent of because i think all of that is true i i only think it becomes bad when people get like militant about it that's what yes, bugs me yeah like, and let I me ha- make my choices but- i've been that way too i've been like i mean i don't i don't shove my you know opinions on others but it's more like um i was so strict about certain things that it's, it becomes not livable. You just can't, yeah. you can't, yeah. So anyways, adding these in to like, you know, a, a week where I didn't feel good. I'm just like, I I take a day or two and just drink some compote. And I'm like, I feel wonderful. I have energy. It's great. Wow. Um, they've been linked to killing flu virus. Um, there's been experiments where they put the flu virus in a Petri dish with the black currant. Um, 
whatever they did. I don't know. Scientific, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm not a scientist. Yeah, me <laughs> but um, it killed the flu virus in it. And so I'm with all of the COVID and everything going around. I'm just like currents, 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 <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, that's, it's, it's hard for people to get access to them. Like right now, all I have is 40 pounds of frozen currants. We sold all of our currants last year. Wow. Um, and last year, I would say for me, the biggest thing on the farm is that it's really emotional. Um, you put so much time and energy and effort into farming this, making it beautiful. We had pruners come out here. You pay a fortune for it. And then, you know, three days or four days before harvest, well, last year it was about 10 days before harvest, we hit um, 110 degrees and we had yeah. a hun- over 100 for four days. And that just fried all of our berries. We were coming over here and just touching the bushes and they would just mm. fall to the ground. And that we, we did a first pick, me and my husband went on the picker and I mean, I couldn't even see because I was crying so hard. I could I was just like these are horrible. We're we're done, you know. This is our last year farming. Every year I say that. And, <laughs> and so I'm a third generation business owner. Yeah. My parent my parents they they had a power center. I mean, they were like a medium-sized business. They did very well. Both of their parents were business owners. Mm-hmm. And then so then here's Kyle, my husband, and he's a third generation farmer. And both of his sides of families were farmers. And so they're just like, we're never giving up because farmers yep. don't give up. Yep, and totally. I'm like, but the profit margin, there's just none. <laughs> and so I'm like, business person, yeah. I'm like, business, business. And and so me and my mother-in-law, she's like farming and I'm like business. And so that was tricky for a while. Yeah. Um, and last year at at that time, I was like, I'm, I'm out, I'm done. Um, we put a, an APB out to our, all of our customers on social media though. I mean, it was incredible. We were like, please pray for our farm because we don't know if we're going to have any berries for you. And they are very dependent on our berries. Mm-hmm. Um, they last them all year round and people come and pick like hundred pounds of blueberries too when they're here. Wow. So, I mean, most of our customers get between 80 to 100 200 pounds of berries for their one car load <laughs> we'll have people come for a thousand pounds and they're delivering it to like their church members or um they some people wholesale it too which is fine i don't just take the berries and go right yeah um but um and this is usually people from like eastern european or like ukrainian or russian descent yeah 95 percent. crazy Not- which we have a really big community do you know the funniest locally the funniest part about that is they're not local a lot of them are not local yeah we do have a big um russian ukrainian community close and that is the first um that was the lady who came here and was like you have currents oh my goodness so she actually brought that information to our church Mm -hmm. um i think it was up in kendall and she put it out um and then all of their all of their members came, and then they spread it amongst their churches. So really, the church is what grew our customer base, wow. uh, and it's just it's been amazing. Like they're they're so wonderful. So, anyways, we we asked for their prayers, yeah. and um, with the other farm that I know of that had currants, they did not recover, um, and ours 
ours came back. Like, I was just coming out here in awe. I'm like, wow, there's there's more green berries. These weren't here. Mm. And they turned black, and I was just like, thank you God so much. And we, we successfully filled all those orders that year, and I just didn't think that we were going to be able to at all. I thought... We're going to have so many people disappointed because we will get people that come after our season's over and they're heartbroken. Like, you don't have any, any? And we're like, well, they're kind of, you know, they get to a point where they get rancid and mm. you don't want to pick them anymore. It's right. not worth it on the right. machine and all that. And um, I'm worried this year, though, about the rising costs and diesel um, yeah. It costs a lot of money to run our machine. Just a quick time out here to thank our sponsors on the Real Food, Real People podcast. Uh, Mana Insurance Group, a faithful sponsor supporting last season and this season as well. Um, they are a locally focused um, insurance outfit here in Washington State and any kind of insurance product you can think of. Uh, they are involved with uh, connecting customers with. They're not about pressure. Um, I've known the guy who founded the company since we went to school together. Um, we were in middle school together and high school together. He's not a pressure salesman kind of guy. His whole team is not about that either. Um, and I think you'll really appreciate the focus that they have on planning ahead and making sure your financial future is protected, not just about picking up the pieces when things go wrong. Manainsurancegroup.com. Also, Dairy Farmers of Washington sharing stories of the real healthy, ethically produced, sustainable dairy products here in Washington State. WaDairy.org is their website. Go check that out. Um, we've talked with many dairy farmers here on the podcast, and I grew up around dairy farmers in a county dominated by dairy farming in families with dairy in their background on my dad's side and my mom's side. So I uh, love what uh, these folks are doing here in Washington, and I love the stories that they're sharing, the information they're sharing about Washington-grown dairy products, wadairy.org. Go check them out and thank them for supporting the Real Food, Real People podcast as we continue our journeys all over Washington State to get to know the real people behind our food. Now back to the conversation with Lindsay Van Dyken at Pangborn Farms. So yeah, how, how are they grown? Like, I guess from the start, you plant like small starts? Yeah, my husband actually propagated most of these himself. Wow. Yeah. Um, so from cuttings yes he just cut pieces off and stuck them in the ground they're very hardy and pretty wow. easy to grow i don't want everybody to know that yeah. right <laughs> but no every everybody should have a couple backyard plants we've yeah. um some of our customers are like can we take a clipping we're like go for it nice so um yeah it's the you know one plant isn't gonna produce a whole bunch of fruit, but how long does it take them to grow up to like is this a fully mature plant here? No, this is not. They've just been pruned though, so they look really nice right now. This plant is about four years old, and it's mm. been in production for about three years. Okay. So I mean, it it only takes a year though for mm -hmm. them to be in here, maybe two. They probably um, don't produce as much at first, though, right? Honestly, they produce really good at first. Wow. Yeah. This is our best producing field. Um, I think there's close to seven, six acres here. And then on the other side of um, my in-law's house, we have another probably six acres. And those are really old. 
Those were the original ones that went in the early 2000s. They do not need to be replanted like raspberries. But they do get, um, like... Um, they they do get like some brittleness on them, so we mm-hmm. have to go through and prune that stuff off. And everyone, every four or five years, we need a really good pruning, and we take them all the way down. And so we'll see the production go down a little bit. Yeah. But a lot of it is just so many factors that we don't have control of. Weather mainly. Yeah. Um, weather is our biggest factor for our. We have blueberries also, so that. Um, the blueberries, I mean, we're, we're about half blueberry, half current here mm-hmm. and we have almost no control of the blueberry prices cause it's, yeah. it goes commercial and you hear the expected price at the beginning of the year and right. they're like, Oh, that's going to be so great. So great. And then we don't get our final payment until the next January. So we don't even know how much we're making until so we've actually, all those blueberries, well, until we've sent picked them, them off. sent them off and pruned. So we've already put money back into it before we know how much we're making. <laughs> it's a it's a love, you know, it is a hobby for us. I actually, I have a job. My husband has a job and um, we make it work. His boss is really lenient with him during mm. the summer. So he usually takes like three weeks off. Nice. And. Yeah we just make it work um we hire some neighborhood boys and they get the picker going it's awesome it's really it's good to see the farm boys um and they're such hard workers but they have fun too we let them have fun and that's how it should be kyle have to my husband kyle he grew up um you know on this it was 130 acres uh, originally and we had a whole bunch of raspberries so he grew up on the raspberry picker you know throwing berries at each other and catching catching frogs and (laughs) yeah it's amazing what you see when you work on a picker um it's kind of funny when i um I see people in the grocery store and they're like, everything's so perfect and packaged. And I'm like, you don't know what those things have been through, right? Um, They've got to go through the machine and then the washing and all that, right? So um, for me, I'm just like, we don't worry too much about that anymore because after seeing... But I'm a city girl. I actually grew up in the city. Mm. And... um, Where did you grow up? Near Seattle, Edmonds um, area. And my parents had a business down in Ballard on the Shipyard Canal. And um, so they, I grew up being at their, at their business, doing whatever they needed during the summertime. And it was such a summer-heavy business mm-hmm. that we didn't get to go on, like, family vacations. And Sounds like berries. It, and, and I was like, <laughs> I'm not going into this when I get older. And then, of course, my husband becomes a farmer, and I'm like... We don't have summers again, so, but we really enjoy spring and fall. Uh, spring yeah. and fall are, spring's my favorite season anyway, so um, we we make the most of it. So how big will these black currants get? We usually don't let them get too big. I mean, blueberry bushes will get so tall. We have blueberry yeah. bushes that are over our head back. Yeah. Um, there, but... They will get bigger than this, though. They will, but we like to keep them... Um, at least we take all the bottom parts off and try to get them to go up. I I mean, if you see our other field, it's it's pretty close to this as well. So they're about that same um, 
same mm. height. We just prune them down. And yeah. every year they lose all their leaves and um, they go into great hibernation. They need a certain amount of cold so mm. they can only grow in the northern part of the country. And I don't, you know, it's like we don't know what's happening with weather anymore. We have really no control over what's happening what's being done, you know, by it. And um, so we just, we do the best we can. And uh, this year was actually really funny. My husband's like, the berries are looking real good. You know, the plants are looking really good. And I'm like, stop. Don't (laughs) jinx it. (laughs) No, I'm just like, no, we just, we have no idea. Somebody's like, oh, are your berries, today, how are you, how are your plants looking? I'm like, ask me on July 15th. Because I, I don't know. Well, that was then. all the years that he farmed raspberries. That was my dad's answer. It's like, well, <laughs> I mean, things so far look okay, but yeah, don't really know until you get out in the field and pick them. We have had years where um, when we had raspberries one year, I remember the day before we started picking, it was an absolute torrential downpour all night. And I sat up all night and I was just in tears. It was so emotional, right? Because I knew what it meant. I knew it meant moldy berries Mm -hmm. and it it meant my husband had to go and put planks on the ground so that our picker wouldn't sink in the peat ground. Mm -hmm. Because we have a lot of peat ground. Um, All our blueberries down here in peat. Heavier, deeper soil. It's like quicksand and they've filled it in with gravel and it just keeps going. Like you can actually stand on it and you can you can feel it. This used yeah. to be a lake. This yeah. all used to be a lake here. So it's really good growing uh, area. Super soil. rich soil. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, there's the good and the bad with the super rich soil, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you know, we've had um, we've also had years where um, we've gotten worms. Currents have the uh, just. I mean, we've we've talked to a lot of people who have just a few current bushes at home. They're like, I just keep getting worms. And yeah, it happens. And so we really don't know until we pick if everything's okay. You have to pick and let it sit. And and, and picking, you you were talking about the machine or the picker. You ha- So you have a mechanical harvester for these. Yes, we're very lucky. We have a Latau blueberry harvester. Um, it is... Um, you, it's a platform that you sit on top of it, so you're not down below. Um, it's it's made for blueberries, but it's really very effective on currants mm. as well. Um, the current bushes are, we generally will pick the currants once or twice, and and that's that's all we usually get from them. The blueberries, though, we can pick up to three to four times, but we hit the currents hard. And we, yeah. like, full beater, <laughs> we're going as slow as we can, get everything off. And it, it really does a lot of um, damage to our machine. Mm. So a lot of our, all the beater sticks, they all got to get replaced. <laughs> and so Kyle's in there, you know. That's hard work I've we, done. Oh, that. yeah, right? Hammering new rods Hammering into the rods. rotary heads, yeah. Yeah, I hear every morning, it's like, We've lost some, so yeah. Um, him and his dad work really hard at maintaining all the machines, and we he Kyle does most all of the repairs um, on the machine, which is you know it's it's a what twenty year harvester, um, so you know stuff goes out, a lot of hydraulic stuff, yeah. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, we've had a point where the hydraulic oil or that's, it's so like our regulations are super tight. Um, and so if there's any oil on the machine, like you have to take it back and clean it all Mm -hmm. off. And, um, we have to go through a gap procedure for, Mm -hmm. for, yeah, you know, good agricultural practices. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. We hire an independent, um, consultant that flies here and goes through all of our paperwork and, uh, last year, a whole bunch of regulations changed. So mm. um, this is actually, this is our gap book. <laughs> and like, just so those are all the rules that yeah, you yeah. have been designed, not this, just generally, but for specifically for your farm. For the farm. Yeah, we have to have SOPs for everything. And I mean, we're a small farm, like tiny compared to some of the farms in Whatcom County. Yeah. And we still have to pay the same amount for the gap, you know, mm. All yeah. of that. Um, so now what's that generally for? Like food safety? Yes, it is. Um, it's making sure, you know, animals aren't near um, the field that, you know, there's not. Um, we're getting our water tested, um, which we used to do all of that anyways. But it's t- taking care of um, making sure that all of the chemicals, fertilizers are, you know, Put away properly and applied properly and which we we did before but it's just record you know right. being able to go back they basically if there's a problem they want to go back and see where it started mm-hmm. so that they can um re- remediate you know yeah. make it make it okay so traceability absolutely that's that's their number one concern and so we we understand that completely and um it's usually a, a two to three hour long um, interview process every year. Um, they drive around the farm and look at everything and make sure we're in regulations. And Kyle's always so nervous <laughs> um, because it could mean whether or not we could sell our berries to yeah. the commercial, which we all our blueberries go to Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, and then any of our leftover currants go to Pacific Coast up in Canada, which mm-hmm. we're very lucky because our neighbor ranch, he um, is he has trucks that go to Pacific Coast. And so we just drive them down the road and it works awesome. out really well. Um, but then, yeah, last year, I think we bought a we bought a new flatbed truck. We're like, OK, we got to get that. And year before was we need a new four wheeler because it's stuck in second gear <laughs> <laughs> but it's a very much like make it work type of farm because there's not there there's just no profit um and for me i see all of our customers they need those berries right yeah. so we try to make it as affordable as possible um and we're also we've we do have one main competitor um, which he does most commercial. He doesn't deal with individuals, so it's all commercial stuff. So we used to get some more commercial orders, but um, over time we've kind of gone more to um, just the public. Direct uh, marketing. Direct, yeah. Now, so is that a you pick kind of thing? They do not you pick the currents, no. Right. Is that, because I know a lot of people aren't aware of this, like gap rules won't necessarily allow no. anybody, like, you can't even have a visitor without approval and all that into the field to protect that food safety. Absolutely. Yeah. So we don't have people out here. We just have our picker. Um, and honestly to hand pick currants is horrible. Mm. Like it's, yeah, I, bet. I <laughs> we have so many people who are like, Oh, 
I love currants and I hate them <laughs> because my grandmother used to make me pick them for, you know, 16 hours a day and then yep. we'd have to like pick them apart and then we'd have to pro process them. And, um, but they're like the smell, you know, it's so nostalgic and the yep. smell is so powerful. Um, I love the smell of currants. Mm. Um, but you know, that is also an acquired scent, scent, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, it's just, um, when I smell them, I'm like, oh, it smells so good. And it's just, um, smells like summer yeah. to me. I have a kind of a, as I've said on the podcast before, kind of a love hate relationship with raspberries for the <laughs> same reason, because they smell like work to me. Yeah. I've never been in love actually with eating raspberries. Everybody loves raspberries, right? And I'm just been kind of ho-hum because when I smell them or taste them, it's like, oh, this, this is like, but work. it's still a nostalgic <laughs> Yeah. Thing that yes. I, when I smell it, but it's not what other people smell. When other people no. smell it, they think, oh, I'm going to put this on ice cream or I'm going to put this, you know, and I'm like, no thanks. No, I've eaten so many raspberries. So many. You, over get, the yeah, years. Yeah. <laughs> you get to the point where you're like, like a quarter of the way in the season, you're like, yeah, I'm done. Yep. <laughs> I've had my allotment. <laughs> I've had my thousand pounds of berries or whatever, yeah. you know. People will say, and you probably get this too, it's like, oh, you can eat as many as you want. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, not really. I My husband makes fun of me, actually, because every year I pick a whole bunch and I freeze them. Mm. And then they're in our freezer in the springtime. And they've not been eaten. And he's like, are you sure you need all of these? I'm like, yes, I do. I need all of them. They look beautiful. I have a whole bunch of raspberries. I do make raspberry jam. Um, yep. I can't eat store-bought raspberry jam. I'm a princess now. So, Same. Um, Same. I've been spoiled. But it's, it's so easy. Like, yeah. I used to think it was a lot harder. <laughs> no. I'm like, no, it it's be hard. sugar pectin and raspberries. No, pop quiz for you. Put you on the spot. Cooked jam or freezer jam? I like freezer jam. <laughs> freezer just, jam it, all the way. It tastes way fresh. more like fresh fruit. Yes, it's fresh, right? And Cooked it's, jam has just a little different. And some people prefer that, and yeah, I respect that because yeah. that's what they're used to. Yeah. But when you know the flavor of the fresh fruit, it freezer is so much. Jam. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and and I'm not a big. I don't like my stuff super sweet. I am more of a tart, mm -hmm. um, savory person. So yep. I would love to be able to put current jam on, um, like some some really. Like you know, a, maybe a steak, but it's it's really good with lamb, and I don't eat lamb, so uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I can try. I don't know. <laughs> something new. Yeah. Um, what about on like turkey at Thanksgiving? Because I think of cranberries yeah. then. But I'm not a cranberries on my turkey kind of guy. So I like cranberries, I but I don't think I I don't think I put them on meat. Yeah. Um, people put them on like a really like stinky cheese. And that goes really well together. So I've been making, I've been trying out different jams because I've wanted to make a jam out of ours. Yeah. Um, and just have it as kind of diversify the farm a little bit. I was just yeah. kind of worried, you know, I want something for my kids to be able to have. I don't want to have to sell this to, you know, um, pay to farm, which we were kind of doing before with the raspberries. So yeah. um, I... I wanted to make some products, and um, I may still. Uh, so I bought all of the jam that I could, all the current jam. And every once in a while, I'll take one out and try it. And I'm like, oh, this one's 
really good or this one's way too sweet. The ones that I found to be the best tasting for me are the ones sweetened, not with sugar. Mm. They use grape juice Mm. and that's like Greg Quinn. He does um, current C and it's Mm. all about how much vitamin C is in it. Mm. Um, And he was one of like, he's a, I, I, when I was kind of coming into the farm, I guess you could say I've only been, working with the farm for like three or four years mm-hmm. um, before that I was pretty wound up and just taking care of my kids mm-hmm. and Kyle did the farm stuff and um, and his his mom and dad would help out I mean they're both retired right yeah. um, but I was hands-off until they sold that 90 acres and then we ended up moving into the third generation farmhouse and um it's just so awesome. interesting because Kyle grew up in that house and um, they've not always farmed berries. Um, they farmed, I think they moved here in the 80s. They bought the farm and it was a dairy farm for a really long time. And dairy farms at that time, like back in 94, 95, it just went yep. downhill. That's really. when my grandpa retired, 1996. Yeah. And, and he actually dairied just over there and yeah i live in that farmhouse yes yeah. down the road from me yeah small town right yeah um well, and how did you end up meeting this farmer guy here you lived in seattle basically yeah i mean you you're probably aware now people who live up here up by the border are kind of just like that's seattle they don't it make is, a difference yeah. there's no difference no. between Edmonds, ballard or Shoreline. even bellevue i mean that's just seattle, seattle. Yeah. it's down south <laughs> yeah I, so, I say down south and people think it's california and i'm like no it's just down south because i've been in linden now yeah. for 18 years yeah. so um yeah i've lived half my life up here now yeah, crazy. so it's kind of it is crazy but um yeah i uh i i ended up I was working at a cell phone place and my, one of my coworkers, I was like, you know, I really want to move to Bellingham. I'd really like to, you know, go to college there, but I, I should really just go to community college and live at home. And this guy I was working with, he was just a hoot. He's like, just go, just go, man, just go, (laughs) just pack up your stuff and go. And I was like, which is true at that time in your life. I was 18. I was like, all right, I'm going. And I found... I found a roommate online. <laughs> in three weeks, I had a place to stay, a roommate, and a job up here in, in Whatcom County. Mm-hmm. And then um, I went through a year of community college because I was going to transfer into Western. And I met uh, a girl from Linden, and she just absorbed me. She's like, come with me. You're <laughs> our, our friend now. Um, and I had actually, prior to that, in when I was living in Seattle, um, I I was doing some modeling as a teen mm. and I I met this girl and she said she was from Linden and I'm like where is Linden what's that I've never even heard of it <laughs> and she's like oh it's a real small town you know near the border yeah. and um she told me a little bit about it and I I didn't grow up in a church I didn't grow up with with any sort of religion at mm. all we were business owners and my parents were very busy. Um, they did the right thing. They you know, were respectful of other people and uh, honest and, you know, they kept their integrity intact, but um, it wasn't, we never praised God, right? right? 
Right. And so moving up here um, and meeting this this girl who was like, yeah, there's a church on every corner. I was just like, what? <laughs> Which there literally is in London. <laughs> there is. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so then I... I turns out these two girls knew each other because i mean it's linden and everybody knows each other i mean it's getting a little different now that we have more people moving in from out of state and everything um but they knew each other and i just thought it was so um so funny and so yeah i was just absorbed by this group of people and ended up meeting my husband at a party in the backyard and like really the rest is history his dog um, came and sat on my lap and was eating <laughs> treats out of my hand. And he was just like, he doesn't do that for people. Like, who are you? <laughs> and we, we exchanged numbers and like literally the next day we were, we started dating and wow. we haven't looked back. Awesome. So, um, so we've but, been, but again, you were a city kid. Yes. And when did you like decide, okay, I'm going to like. So he wasn't a farmer. Join the farm life. He wasn't a farmer when I met him. He was working maintenance at a hotel. Mm. And his parents were farmers. And he told me, I'm never farming. (laughs) (laughs) Heard this before. (laughs) Yeah. He said, I'm not farming because I don't, you know, you can't control any of it. And um, it just became a point where his parents couldn't handle all of it. It's 100. 30 acres and yeah. just the two of them, they, they would hire people out, um, during the summer to pick, but, uh, they needed Kyle and they kept, uh, you know, he, he stayed on and helped out for a really long time. Um, we, we had a lot of really lean years and then I was a stay at home mom too. Um, yeah. and we have a bit of an extra needs, um, child. Yeah. And so I, I didn't have a lot of choice. Um, And so we farmed for a really long time. And it it was a hard, it was really hard for me um, emotionally, really. I was like, can we just stop and like get a job and make money now? Um, (laughs) But now that I look back at it, we, we have 40 acres out here and Bob and Betty are retired and a brand new house they just got to build and, um, I mean, our house is a hundred years old and needs a lot of work. <laughs> you can probably tell from the siding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine's 80 years old, so I know how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's always something, but we've got lots of good friends that help us piece it back together. And, um, you know, uh, we're just, we're like, maybe one of these years we'll have a good year and we can do it. Yep. Cause we've, we've had a couple of years where the price was just like incredible for blueberries and you make a lot of money, but that doesn't offset the you other 10 save, years. You better save it that just money. It doesn't. Because like, <laughs> you're going to need it yeah. later. Yeah. Yep. And it's usually like, oh, we've got to pay this and this and this off. So we finally own our own. We own all the equipment. We own the land. Now we're finally starting to see, you know, we just, we've got to pay for the fertilizer and yep. um, diesel. But that's going to be, that's going to be a lot. And as a business person business oriented person i it, it's such a delicate balance between making sure our customers get what they want for a fair price i don't like to see people overcharged um but at the same time it needs to have value and we put so much work and in, into it right yep. so um 
but it's food it's food for people and that's important there's not a lot of people who are willing to grow food and willing to do that hard work anymore it's it's back-breaking labor during our busy season me and Kyle started about well I get up at like four um and we're out here by six and he's got to get the machine ready and then um, we check all the stations, you know, check the UPIC stuff. And the UPIC is usually about a, a month long. Okay. So um, that uh, we usually don't end up, we, we work until people, are, people leave. We don't have a closing time. We yeah. just say stay until it's not light anymore. Um, there's a lot of people who want to come after work. And yep, so sure. we have a self-pay station and you can just text message us or call us and we'll get you changed. And we're yep. really laid back here. It's really nice. Um, and we most of our, I would say the majority of the people that come are repeat customers. And like we have a playground, all the kids. I mean, I counted one time <laughs> there was 30 kids on our playground. Wow. And I mean, that, that's what was only like three families too. Yeah. And so then my kids get to go and play with them. And the year that COVID was just, um, you know, the first year, we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, with all that. Yeah, we <laughs> were like, oh, are our people still going to show up? Um, what is it going to be like? Are we you know, masking outside? Are we going to have to designate rows? Which a right. lot of farms just shut down. A lot yeah. of the UPIC farms were like, nope, we can't do this. And we're like, yeah, but currants kill flu viruses. So we're just going to go for it. We're just going to continue on. So we, <laughs> yeah, we survived it. Actually, it was kind of incredible. Um, that was our biggest selling year. Hmm. <laughs> I've heard that from others that yeah. people had nothing else to do and they came out and they wanted food, Just fresh food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had so many different people show up, but that was also the year that I had. I I spent a little money on advertising, mm. and I I think it came. You know, it it came yeah. back to us. I mean, it was less than a hundred dollars. I think that I spent yeah. advertising, but most of our People come from word of mouth. So it's like, yeah. oh, you have currants? Oh, I need currants. I'm coming, you know. And so. Um, yeah, especially since it is not a common thing at all for people who really like them. They're going to be like, okay, finally found a place. Yeah. And just even the funny thing is we've been supplying um, a lady with blueberries who does some nonprofit work in Whatcom County. And for years we have been. And her business partner is is Russian mm. and she's like I want you to come out and see the farm and and he's like wait you have currants and he was like sweet he's like my mom is gonna be so happy <laughs> I mean I think he got like 200 pounds of currants wow. and they're like yeah they they made he's just like can I have more I'm like we're done like you came too late <laughs> shoot <laughs> like yeah what's you, what's the season before blueberries like yeah. at the same time as raspberries like july yeah so raspberries are pretty um usually raspberries are like what end of june beginning of july um mm -hmm. uh, if it's the typical season right um and then um black currants are generally the second week and third week in july and then blueberries will come on our blueberries. Um, well, the the Duke field that we have is the earliest field, yeah. and that's our U-Pick field. So it actually coincides really well with 
our current time. So um, people will come early in the morning, pick their blueberries, wait for us to get done. You know, usually we're, we start picking at about eight because we can't pick wet berries. Um, they need to be fully dry or it's just, it, they stick together and yep. um, our customers don't want them. They need to be dry. So um, we'll, we'll pick until about 11 and then offload under our farm stand tents, which are in front of our house. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has just changed and morphed into like bigger and bigger. And now I'm, you know, I, I'm in it now. So I'm like, okay, let's make this more comfortable and beautiful. And, you know, my yep. husband originally, he just had like a tent with a table on it. And I'm like, let's get some signage <laughs> so people can find us. And Aesthetics, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How can people find out more if they want to find out more about your farm? We're on, we have a website, uh, I manage, I actually built it, um, going Mm. into, that was one of my things where I was like, I, I can do this and, um, I need to start making, um, an income. So I helped us get online and that actually prompted me to go back to school and Mm. become a graphic designer. (laughs) So it, it was just like, this is my nemesis was the farm and now it's become, the bless such a blessing mm. and awesome. you know now we get to live on 40 acres and a hundred year old like historic house and um i i find myself really really fortunate especially with the way real estate prices are going on around here i i couldn't believe it yeah it's absolutely exploded yeah so, so pangbornfarms.com, I'm pangbornfarms.com, and we're on Instagram and um, Facebook, Pangborn Farms. There's awesome. not a whole lot of people out there with that name, so yeah. it was pretty easy to find. Awesome. Well, thank you yeah, again for having yeah. me out here to the field and right in the bushes and actually see black currants and learn them. You know, I've been driving by these since people have been growing them around here for. <laughs> what, 15-some years 20, now? Yeah, almost 20 years. But yeah. I didn't know a lot about them. Yeah. And so this is really cool to get to learn yeah. more about it and, and hear should, your I story as well. I have some here for you to try. <laughs> I've got some frozen. Um, I actually told my coworkers, and they're like, bring some in. We, we're intrigued now. And yeah. I'm like, I don't think you're going to like them, but... Acquired taste. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is. Yeah. But I've heard it makes really good wine. And really easy to make current wine. So if, awesome. if there are any wine drinkers out there who want to make uh, current wine, come see me this summer. Awesome. Well, thank you again for <laughs> yeah, having me. Yeah, thanks, Dylan. I appreciate it. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food. 